Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Tuesday, April 18th starts now. On today's show, Ben welcomes back the man, the myth, the podcast legend, Mark Sims. The Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink. Get on over to ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. That's J-O-R-A. V is in victory, SKY. Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Blame Game Tuesday, and here's why. Because that's the headline in the Chicago Sun-Times that I'm reading right now. Chicago Sun-Times, home delivered every day. Blame Game. Let the Blame Game start. And the blame that they're... The blame and the blame in the game that they're starting is who's responsible for went down in the loop this uh, weekend. Rampage in the loop. Total breakdown is the headline in the Sun-Times. Uh, Alderman blasts fractious CPD leadership for flat-footed response to violent weekend gatherings. They got four reporters who had something to do, or three reporters had something to do with that story. And I, my first thought is like, the Sun-Times is the babyest boomer newspaper there is out there because they know what like really riles up baby boomers. And how do I know that? Because I'm a baby boomer. And so, like, the sometimes response of, like, the total breakdown in the loop is it's sort of like a real baby boomer response. And I understand that and appreciate that. I have, like, three different responses to what went down in the loop. Uh, several hundred young people uh, it was um, racing through the loop, causing trouble, uh, jumping up and down on cars, scaring the hell out of people. I have my first response is the old man in me, very scared. If I were in that loop, I'd be running the other way, ladies and gentlemen. I am not a courageous person. I don't look for fights. I will not lie to you. I would have been very scared. I would have been calling the police. Where are you? We cannot allow this. We cannot tolerate this. It would be very sun times us. And then there's like the parent in me. And the parent in me is someone who raised kids. My kids are all grown up now. And so they're long since moved on from this stage of life. But I could tell you this right now. You're a parent of teenage kids at any given time. More often than not, you do not know what your teenage kids are up to. So you're doing all the, the right things, raising your kids, and you think you're doing all the right things, raising your kids, and your kids probably part about in that crowd. You don't even know it. I could fill your ears with so many stories of really wonderful teenagers who've moved on in life, and I'm not going to name names, and I'm not going to tell the stories now, who put their parents through hell. <laughs> A lot of gray hair and a lot of parents raising kids. The kid will look at you in the eye and go, I'm going to Billy Bob's house. I'm cool. And the next thing you know, they're out running around with Janie Joe. Because they don't tell you they're with Janie Joe. They tell you with Billy Bob because they know you know that Janie Joe's not the best influence 
on them. So I kind of feel sorry for the parents. And I'm not going to be like one of those politicians who go, parents, you need to know at all times what your kids are doing. Because chances are a lot of those kids that were running around on Saturday lied to their parents, looked their parents in the eye and said, I'm going to be over here when they went over there. And there's a lot of kids that probably have no parental control whatsoever who are at the heart of things that went down Saturday. So I, I know I, I understand the instinct to be mad at parents. If parents are like willfully not being good parents, that's one thing. But it's it's a tough game raising teenage kids. I'll tell you that right now. Then finally, there's the bleeding heart liberal in me. The bleeding heart liberal in me says, you know what? We need more programs for kids. We need more jobs for kids. We need things that will keep them busy and preoccupied. So they won't be rampaging through the loop and jumping up and down in cars and scaring the hell out of old people like they would scare the hell out of me. The other thing is this. You know that first hot day of summer? It's not even summer. It's still kind of quasi-spring. Everybody in Chicago has been just sitting inside for three months of winter, and when it gets warm out, all hell breaks loose. The doors kick open. People run out. I mean, it's the craziest day to be driving. You don't want to be driving. My distinguished guest, Mark Sims, knows about that. You don't want to be driving on this first day. So there's an element There's an element of this that is just like, it's a reality of life in Chicago. So, yeah, there probably should have been and could have been better planning from the police department and the mayor's office, et cetera, and so forth. But I don't know this blame game. Who's to be responsible for something that happens every freaking year? And I'll tell you what, the MAGA's having a field day with this. They're already blaming Brandon Johnson. The guy hasn't even taken office yet. They're blaming him. Uh, This is what happens when you're too tolerant. This is what happens when you're not tough on kids. Well, you know what, MAGA, I'm going to say this to you. You got a little bleeding heart in you as well. It's just that uh, your heart bleeds for other people. So when Kyle Rittenhouse shot those two uh, lefties, killed them in Kenosha, Wisconsin, you're saying, well, what about the extenuating circumstances? And your heart bled for Kyle Rittenhouse, and you turned him into a hero. In Texas right now, the governor, law and order guy, Greg Abbott, has already partnered or is attempting to pardon Daniel Perry, who shot Garrett Foster, a Black Lives Matter protester. Your heart bleeds for Daniel Perry, not for the man who was shot. So I'm just saying. Everybody, man, before you sit there in condemnation, absolutely everyone involved, why don't you look in the mirror a little bit and think it through? Because a little bleeding heart in all of MAGA. All right, without further ado, I want to bring on my guest, the distinguished Mark Sims, podcaster extraordinaire, who routinely comes on this show and tells me, I don't understand what life is like in the city of Chicago because I can walk through my neighborhood. And so, Mark, at night, that is, uh, I guess you must have your own unique thoughts about what went down this weekend. So take it away. You know, Dan, you ought to come out. I mean, see, you, you, you love black folks better than I do. And I've been a Negro for a long time. Uh, <laughs> I'm in the hood, but not of the hood. But before I talk about the hood and the Negroes going downtown, scaring people, right? Yeah. Which is nothing new in this town, people. If you've been here, if you lived here, uh, you know, you've been born in the 60s, 50s, whatever, 70s, 80s, you know that, Scary black folks downtown is nothing new, right? 
uh, let's talk about this guy. I was watching this guy on, on uh, Instagram, about 60-something, and I don't know. <laughs> he was talking to this baby about playing basketball. <laughs> what the hell was that about, Ben? <laughs> uh, that was, okay, uh, we'll go on this tangent. That was an Instagram bit I did this weekend. I was with my granddaughter, and I, <laughs> I urge everyone, just go watch it. Yeah, it's what kind it, of funny. It, it, uh, the Billy J. Billy J. Show. Wait, Billy J. Show at uh, Instagram. What was it? I just saw it pop up on. Yeah, What's Benny your Insta- J. Show. Instagram page? Yeah, yeah, that's Benny J. Show. I think it's Benny B. It was done. It was done. It was done very well, man. Well, a shout out to my daughter and to my son-in-law. Uh, Brian filmed it, uh, and uh, Rachel edited it up. <laughs> it's pretty fun. It's very, very, very good. So, so you know, I know I, I make fun of you because uh, uh, listeners back at home in the radio land, if you will, podcast land, I, I chide the uh, Ben. You you hear that? My phone going off. It's driving me crazy. You, did you hear? It? You don't hear it, right? Yeah, hear. Okay, good. You don't hear it. It's driving me nuts. Yeah. No, my phone is making noise, and I'm getting a text, and I'm glad. As long as you don't hear it, I'm driving me crazy. So Ben, yeah. Ben's walking through his neighborhood. His neighborhood, like at night, the sun is already down. I'm like, dude, what are you doing, man? Ain't you scared? <laughs> and I thought, I would never walk through my neighborhood. Never. I don't like, I'm so, as I get older, I didn't do it when I was younger. I don't like to even walk through the neighborhood. I, it's dangerous. Because I, and one, I listen to this police scanner, Ben Jarofsky, and you listen to the police scanner, uh, you're scared to come out of your damn house. Yeah. And most of it's domestic and it's craziness. So when I hear see the, uh, the the young people downtown Chicago, I'm not surprised. People got I said this on your show thousands of times. I've been doing your show for many many years. People should go through some of the tougher neighborhoods. Do it on a Saturday, my friends, or maybe a Sunday with some of the people at church. Roll through an Inglewood. Roll through a Roseman. If you're really brave, roll through some of the West Side. Go over there to Austin, where where the mayor lives. I don't know exactly what part of Austin neighborhood he lives in the city's West Side, but roll through Austin, right? And you ask yourself, would you want to raise your children or your grandchildren in this neighborhood? Hell no. <laughs> you wouldn't want to do that. And so it's like I, I, when I interviewed Jeanette Taylor a while back, maybe a few years ago, 24th older person, Jeanette Taylor. And she said something. I remember the soundbite. It's on Just a Few Questions podcast. It may be 400 plus podcast when I just talked to black people. Long story. And she said that when we were young, we had stuff to do in our neighborhood. So we didn't think about going downtown. Downtown wasn't a thought. Does that make sense, Ben? Uh, yes and no. And no, uh, you know what I'm saying? You you were you were a teen, right? When you were yeah. coming up, did, did you go down to the main street and, and, and wreak havoc? Okay, so here's the deal. Uh I was very timid as a teenager. And the stuff I did as a teenager is not that much different than the stuff I do right now. Uh, listening to news, following the sports, uh, playing poker with my friends. And I did not go out. My parents, uh, very, very conservative household I grew up in, Mark. Uh, curfew, very early curfew. But as soon as I was old enough, that's when I broke loose. So there's no one, in other words, running a tight house with a conservative curfew, et cetera, and so forth, does not guarantee that a kid won't get into trouble later in life when he sort of leaves the control of his parents, if you follow what I'm saying. 
So it's there's no science to raising a kid, as you know. Uh, so I was not tempted to go downtown when I was 16, 17. I was too scared. What about you, Mark? Would you have been uh, would you have been I, part I had, of that crowd? No, no, I had very strict parents. Not so super strict. They were nice parents. They were strict, but not overly strict. And so, like some of the cool kids in the grammar school, they were, and this is like in grammar school, eighth grade and stuff, and definitely high school, they would go down to the show, meaning that they would go to the you know the movie houses, right? The Staten Lake, the Chicago Theater. I love saying the Mick Vickers, Roosevelt, the United Artists. People, I now I'm dating myself because you got to be a certain age to know what the hell I'm talking about, right? Yes, yes. And so they they would go to the show, meaning the movie, and they would go see all the kung fu movies and all that stuff, right? Back in the seventies. But I, I wasn't, we weren't allowed to do it, so I didn't, we didn't do it. But let me tell you something, man. Anybody who's raised uh, children know how hard it is. It's really, really hard. And I guarantee you maybe some of those young people downtown Chicago, most of them seem African-American. I don't want to, you know, you know, I wasn't down there. I'm just looking at the video. But lot, some of those children, I mean teenagers, were probably from the suburbs, not even the city. You know what I'm saying? People got to understand how this works. So the, but the main issue is very simple. And I harp on this every show I'm on with you. And, and I'm all on my podcast, 400 plus, and I'm on other podcasts. Not, not as much another one, uh, just a few questions. I'm saying something that nobody really wants to hear. They know this, but they have to remember. African-Americans are descendants of these slaves. Not, not all of us, but most of us. You know what I'm saying. You know the history. They had 246 years of chattel slavery in this country. Then 100 years of de facto and de jure segregation, discrimination, and all kind of foolishness, right? And then after that, they had criminal justice system, mass incarceration, crack cocaine. I mean, and, and of course, the main problem we have is that we're still arguing about who's black and how to be black. I had a person, an older person, and I saw people younger than me. They reference my, and I always say this every show I'm on, they reference my skin tone. Mm-hmm. And I was probably in the house, and my, the darkest skin Negroes are in the field, and my, I, my light skin behind, and my forefathers, whatever, and mothers were in the house. And I mean, we're still dealing with that. And, and I say that because then, uh, of course, uh, we had to live amongst each other back in the day. People know this. Some people don't know this, you know, and the, and the governor of Florida makes want to make damn sure black history is not taught, right? And American history is not taught because we were, we were segregated. We had to live amongst each other. The doctors, the lawyers, the professionals, that's the way it was. And then it, things began to open up. So those who could leave left. And and, and uh, I love uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Eugene Robinson wrote a book about eleven years ago called "Disintegration: Disintegration of Black Neighborhoods." Blah 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 blah. And they mm-hmm. and so the, those of us could leave. So he calls some of the some of the underclass, the black underclass, the black poor. They call them. He calls them the abandoned because we have abandoned them. So you got uh, you know one or two generations at least. They didn't have a lot of role models. They really don't. So it's not just a city Chicago thing. Go out to some of the uh, south suburbs. Go out to Harvey and Markham. Go out to Ford Heights. Roll through, uh, I think, Richton Park. I'm not saying Richton Park is a bad neighborhood, but I, my understanding, because I ain't been out there in years, Richton Park. Way out south, y'all. Go get your map out. It's like 80% of Richton Park, I once heard, this may not be true now, it's only one source. It's like 80% uh, Section 8 uh, residents. So these things are really complicated. And so, and, and so when you watch the 6 o'clock news, they don't really do an in-depth uh, issue. Your buddy, please stop me because I'll go far afield. Alden Lowry, a really great guy. He was on my old public access show 100 years ago, did my podcast a few times. He's been on your show recently. Alden Lowry is phenomenal. Uh, he wrote an article recently on, on, look it up, Alden Lowry, Chicago Sun-Times. 
And he talked about really there's no real solution. And it may take a generation to solve these problems. So you have to ask yourself, do you want a mass incarceration in a country that incarcerates more people per capita than anybody on the planet Earth? Do you want more of that? Uh, how do you stop this crime? Culturally, you know, you have to have, uh, uh, you know, social cohesion and more black love. You got people have to have jobs. They have to figure out how you're going to function in a declining United States of America with extreme income inequality. We haven't seen since the freaking Gilded Age. And, and you, you, so if you're a kid, you know, how do you function in that? And if you don't have a wonderful parent or parents with resources, what do you do? You go downtown and you jump on a few cars. I would do the same. If I didn't have wonderful middle-class parents, I would have been just like those young people the other day. Just like well, you, Yeah, okay. So uh, you gave me a lot to follow up on. Let's go, I'm going to go back to Jeanette, uh, Alderwoman Taylor, for a moment. Uh, I, I was not privy to the full conversation, so I was based on what you said. I believe there's a little bit of selective memory going on because that issue, the basic issue that was at play on Saturday uh, this weekend in the loop, where uh, predominantly black uh, teenagers were coming in the loop is something that you and I both know had been an issue in this city for as long as we've been around. That's and right. I, it happened under Mayor Daley. It happened under Mayor Rahm. It happened under Mayor Sawyer. It's always an issue. You know this, Mark. You and I both grew up uh, around the same time. You're a little younger than me, as right. you like to point out. But we all know. Like you like, the, like, you like to point out. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> when the loop, when when you named all those movie theaters, and when those predominant, when the when the crowds at those movie theaters were predominantly black, that was a quote unquote problem for the city. You know that as well. That's how the city looked at it. We got to change the downtown because there's black kids coming to see the kung fu movies. They're coming to see the black exploitation movies. They're coming to see Rocky. All the movies that you. That were playing in the uh, in the loop in the seventies, that was a problem. And everything that's happened, all the the economic development programs, ha has had an eye to rectifying that problem. So to act as though there's something new happening here in this social dynamic in the city of Chicago, I think is misleading. Uh, but I, and I also believe that there is a correlation between mass incarceration as an approach and Turn demonizing teenage behavior by black people. I do believe there's a correlation. Do you follow me on that? Do you agree with me on that? Sure, sure, I sure I agree with you. Come on, man, you know that. <laughs> yeah, but the, but what the real issue is that Chicago's had a Negro problem for over 100 years. We know that. What to do with the Negro? And like I said, people and I, I know people don't like to talk about it, but our real issue is that. We don't have a social cohesion as a group of people, as other people. And I say it almost every, when I do my 400 plus podcast, I say it every show. The Mexicans know they're Mexicans and the Irish know they're Irish and the Greeks know they're Greeks. Who are the Negroes? We were slaves, uh, Negroes, coloreds. We were black when I was growing up. Now we're African-Americans. And now we're really uh, uh, split up because that's, I know people, I, you know, I still live in an old neighborhood, right? Auburn, let's say Auburn Gresham to be, you know, so y'all have some uh, idea. And, you, and I tell family friends, you, would, would you like to move and buy a house in Auburn Gresham near 79th and Halstead? Can I, can I curse on this show? Yes, you do all the time. Okay, so let me say, yeah, yeah, I'm not saying. So I ask, you know, I kid with family friends, you want to move back to the city, 79th and Halstead? You know what they say? Shit. 
<laughs> you out of your fucking mind. I'm sorry for cursing, you know, because the point is that people get me. You don't know that you have no idea what it, what we go through unless you live in the not in the hood, but not not of the hood. Because it, I mean, I'm the older guy. I like to shop. I used to go to Walmart on 83rd Street at 7 o'clock in the morning to shop. But now I ain't got no Walmart. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> the point is that it's, it's, the hood has its own lot of trepidations. And a lot of people do not want to live here. They don't want to raise their family here. So a lot of our older people, I'm a young old person. And, and hopefully I'll be here another 30, 40 years. But all of us, we're not going to live forever. So we're going to slowly keep moving away and keep passing away. So it's going to take another generation or so. They're not even that for the Negro problem will be done in the city. It'll be it'll be over with. The Negroes will be gone, or at least we were all out of the south suburbs, and they'll shoot us down once we cross 138th Street or something. That is some cynical stuff. I talk for Mark Sims. By the way, uh, the um, did you see Brandon Johnson's response to the weekends? Uh, yeah, he he says the right he says the right thing and. And I'd love to get Brandon on the show because I don't really know a lot about him. I think he was raised in in uh, Elgin, right? That is correct. So, so I mean, I'm not saying he doesn't have the right bona fides to address this issue, but he is raising children on the west side. But Brandon makes like a hundred and something thousand dollars. Well, this is before he became mayor. He already was a six figure person. Most Americans yeah. don't make six figures, so he already had the resources and the money. And he's a good, and he's a son of a preacher, like that old song. I'm not exactly like the old song. You know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. the son of a preacher. And uh, and, it's, it's, and you look at that family, and you know, that beautiful, it's aspirational to see that beautiful black family, good Christians, they all love each other. That's what, that's aspirational for most of us, you know, on some level. So, but the point is that I would like to get him on the show, and I'm asking a lot of people on my podcast, 400 plus, the people that do come on. <laughs> I don't have a lot of listeners or the people that want to do the show. I understand that. And and I say, will Brandon Johnson be able to dramatically reduce neighborhood crime over the next at least four years? And no one wants to ask the question because the answer is actually no. But you can make a huge dent. But but you have to have all hands on deck. You have to think it's possible. And the bottom line is, you're going to have to. You're going to hurt. I always tell people that you're going to hurt people's feelings because if you are a parent and you've been a parent, when you're doing the right thing as a parent. Your kids may not like you for a few years, maybe 10 or 12, 20 years until they realize, oh, mom and dad or dad did the right, he was doing the right thing. I was too dumb and young to realize he was doing the right thing. And that's the same with an elected official. Well, if you're doing the right thing as an elected official, the, uh, the electorate may not like it. They, they may throw you out of office because yeah. you got to say and do the tough things to really make change. And anybody who's a parent understand this. My kids, they're not 30 yet. They're still in their late 20s. And, uh, you know, I hope they understand. I told them something. Daddy did the best he could. I was, you know, I did, I did what I, what I, I don't, come on, give me a little break here. I didn't know what I was doing, but hopefully I did the best I could, right? Yeah. But when you're parents, you're going to, you're going to tell your kids stuff that they don't want to hear. You're going to make them do things that they don't want to do. But if you're a good parent, in the long run, they'll say, Dad, uh, or they, they, your kids call you Mr. Jarofsky, right? <laughs> okay. okay. I'm just saying. But Dad or Mr. Trotsky, you did the right thing. I understand now. I really appreciate it. Okay. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I, I, I've not had that conversation yet. I look forward to having it. I, I but your, kid, but your kids are like a little bit old. Like my, my age, my children's age, a little bit older. 
And then my kids ain't got to that yet. They ain't told me. They, they understand. But and oh, yeah. I, I always tell people, I didn't begin to appreciate my parents until the day I became a father at 31 years old. And that's when I said, oh, my God. Yeah, this is raising a kid. I mean, from I looking at my child, my my son, firstborn, we at the hospital, and I'm looking at this kid, and they gave me this child. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? I don't yeah. know, what the, you know what I'm saying? And I it, it used to, and I called my mother. I said, Mom, what am I supposed to do? I, I don't know how to take care of a kid. <laughs> you know no, what I'm saying? Listen, listen. I think about what went down this weekend. I've, I, I'll say this again, and I know. I I don't want to throw any of my kids or their friends under the bus. I know at age 16 or 17, they could have been there. I know that. It's just a reality. Now, if they were jumping up and down on a car or scaring the hell out of old people, they should be arrested and pay a consequence. I know that as well. But if they're just part of the general throng of kids that are Running to the party, running to the gathering. I mean, the reality of that is, Mark, is that there's thousands and thousands of parents who are going to be in that position where their kids are doing that. No matter what you do as a parent, no matter how many sports programs you put your kid in, no matter how much you read your kid as a, when they were little, all the things we're supposed to do to be good parents, your kids are going to be knuckleheads when they're 16, 17, or 18. It's just a fact. There'll be knuckleheads. There'll be knuckleheads until they maybe into their frontal lobes develop. Because when I was a yeah. kid, a teenager, I don't know if they knew what the frontal lobes were. Okay, I never <laughs> heard of that term back in the seventies, right? And so uh, you're, uh, and anybody's been a young man. I always tell the young men. I mean, when I used to do speeches, the crap you do between, let's say, fifteen to twenty-five. You're lucky to be alive. You're lucky yeah. you didn't kill yourself. The crap you yeah. do. And also, I mean, it's like, let's say, think about this, the uh, folks back home. Not, and this may not be everybody's experience, but it's most of your experience. And you just think about it. The stuff that goes on in the house you grew up in. If those walls could talk, oh, yeah. my God. I mean, I, I, I couldn't. My parents, you know, they, they, they're not with us. They left us a while back. But the point is that I, I couldn't even tell them what happened in this house, in their house. When we were growing up, you know what I'm saying? Oh my God, I the stuff that I knew went on. It's like whoa, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it's and it's stuff I cannot tell. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's that's teenage life. That's growing up. That's early twenties. It, it, ha it happens, man. So the point is that my thing is that to, to stop that, you do have to have some policing. You got to have communication. You have to have peers to tell the other peers. It's not cool to come down and scare the white folks. Y'all gotta don't 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 scare the tourists. You know, don't down scare the white folks. But man, forget them white people, man. We're trying to have fun. I said, no, no, you can't do that because you know we're trying to save this town. If you scare the white people and scare the conventions, and we got the Democrats coming, we can't have scary teens, black teens scaring the people. We can't have that. So you have to have a team, not the old you know sixty year old guy Mark says. You got to have the peers, their peers, to tell the other peers, let's chill out with that. Let's find some safe places in our own neighborhood. And there's times you can go downtown, but you all can't go down there together scaring white folks. You know that? Don't do that. <laughs> so, let, Mark, see, I, haven't, I do not know the racial uh, composition of the crowds that were downtown. You, you know, I wasn't there, so I couldn't see it. I just see snippets. Do you follow me? They use the same snippets on social media that you're seeing. So I don't know the racial composition. 
But if it was, just imagine, like a whole group of white kids from the suburbs. Same disturbances, because white kids from the suburbs can get unruly too. They can have too much to drink and get a little wild. It's a fact. Do you think there would be the same outcry that we're having right now? Hell no, because black folks have been demonized, and it's somewhat legitimate because most of the murders in Chicago are black people, usually black folks, African-Americans killing African-Americans. A lot of Negroes, when when I was a kid, we used to have knives and zip guns and stuff. Now these folks got some real weapons, so it's it's very dangerous. I understand, Mm -hmm. but we know know the history of America, and we know the present, uh, how African-Americans are presented in the news. And um, I always tell people, forget about... We have to we have to be better than uh, the racism. Let me say it again. I just, this came out of my mouth. This is a thought. We have to be better than the racism of America. We know racism is real. It's not fair. But you can't do what white folks do. They understand it. But they let the white kids do that. Okay, all right. But this is the United States of America. Do you understand that? You're another maybe a hundred years away from some some real equality or something. If you're lucky, fifty years away. So you can't clown, act a fool. You can't have the hijinks. Or the criminality, like uh, uh, the white youth, or even the Latino youth, you just can't, because black folks have been demonized ever since we got here, and then some of us buy into that stereotype. That's my whole thing. They were, were, were the white folks are racist. Okay, when are they gonna stop being racist? We know that we have to be better than the racism. I mean, I'm, I'm going far afield. Andre Perry has a. Uh, I'm trying to get Andre Perry, Andre Perry on the show from the Brookings Institution. I did. I was lucky to get uh, Richard V. Reeves from the Brookings Institution. And, but uh, Andre Perry had a great quote. He's a researcher at Brookings, right? He says, there's nothing wrong with black people that ending white racism, ending white supremacy racism wouldn't solve. And I want to get him on the show to talk about that. He's right. If you end white racism, a lot of black folks' problems will go away. That's true. But it ain't going away anytime soon, so we got to be better than the racism. You know, that's, that's the whole shtick I was going to say if I got him on the show. And that's a conversation a lot of people can't have because – African-Americans, I had this discussion with uh, your, your buddy, uh, uh, David Seaton from WVON Radio. And we said, do African-Americans focus too much on racism? And I say, hell yes. Because it's like uh, the, uh, it was an old white man, 80, 80-some-year-old white man who killed a young African-American black teen. He went to the wrong house and the old man shot him, right? Yeah. Uh, terrible, right? Uh, or uh, the, the white cops, uh, they killed the black person. Even the black par- cops killed a black person. When it's racism, we're going to march down the street. We hoop and holler. The Walmart is closed, and we may have press conferences, but we don't. We don't like to talk about our behavior. We know some of our behavior is because of racism, white supremacy. Yes, but we're smarter than that. Yes, it does take resources. It does take parents. It does take morals and values. But we can beat this if we just work together a little bit. But we just we so divided. Uh, because of slavery, because of uh, racism, uh, and, and people are like, man, forget them, uh, them Negroes, man. You can't say that. I know that. You, I, I don't, I don't want to say nothing to them. That's why I get Brandon Johnson to stop the crime. If I went out there, they cut, they, they cuss me out. So the crime, we can stop this. And, I, and I, anybody says you can't dramatically reduce a neighborhood crime in four years, I think you can. Are you can still have crime and murders? Yes. Will black people kill each other? Yes. Still have, still have scary neighbors? Yes. But you can dramatically reduce it. Very quickly with an on hands on deck uh, movement. People are like, well, what you gonna do? It's very simple. In any neighborhood, like even that crowd, it's only a few people. Let me see. I'm sorry for cursing so much. It's only a few people that keep shit up. The kid in the classrooms, a couple of kids in the classroom keep shit up, right? 
I wish I was like, you worked at the University of Chicago. I can do, you know, some analysis on it. In a neighborhood, there's only a few gangbangers or street crews. That's what they call them now. Street crews, a few families. There's only a few people on the block that keep shit up. There's only a few people in the neighborhood that keep shit up. And if you give them the social services or take their ass to jail or give them a damn bus ticket and say, you're going to Georgia like the rest of the Negroes, we're going to send you down to Atlanta and don't come back. If you if you remove a few people, like a few kids from that classroom, now you can stabilize that classroom, you can stabilize the school, stabilize the neighborhood, stabilize the whole area with it just by focusing on a few fools that keep shit up. And that and I wish I was a real uh, you know professor from the University of Chicago, and I have the analysis and the statistics <laughs> to back my shit up, but I don't. But but, yeah. but I lived in the neighborhood. I grew up here. That's why I always tell people, where did you grow up? Now people don't think I'm authentically bad because I don't sing and dance. And I don't go to church and I don't believe in Jesus. I understand all that, but it's like, it's all different type of color folks. But the point is that I grew up in the neighborhood. I've been here all my life. I did not move to the suburbs. I did not move out of the city. I did not move to Atlanta, Georgia. I'm here. So I do have people, and there's a lot of people like me who feel this way, but you almost have to alter the ecosystem. The ecosystem is poor, uh, a knuckle, a stupid, I mean, I say underfunded public schools, and then you get called in the criminal justice system. It's a vicious cycle, and everybody makes money off that black pathology or that black, uh, what's the term? I can't find a term. You know what I'm saying? Uh, whatever. So social, yeah. Bad social stuff. They make money. The police make money. Social services make money. Uh, the judges make money. The lawyers make money. Everybody makes money off of that black dysfunction. And it's disgusting, and that's the system. So they really, so some people say they really don't want it to change, Mark. Somebody make so much money off of black dysfunction when you got to spend billions of dollars for policing and more policing because of a few black teens coming down scaring the white people. So you're going to spend, instead of helping them, giving them the resources, you're going to spend resources on policing and other stuff. And, uh, and you know, everybody knows an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, but we spend too much money uh, uh, tr- uh, on the, uh, not on prevention. We don't spend enough money on prevention. We really Dark. don't. Because you, because you don't really want to solve the problem. You want to talk about the problem, but you really don't want to solve it. All right. Uh, w- uh, before I go down that path, if you don't really want to solve the problem, I, I feel compelled to say that white people do the same thing. And I, st- I said this in the opening remarks, and I'll repeat it uh, again. It, when the images on the TV are of black teenagers racing through the loop, scaring the hell out of people, or jumping on calves or buses, et cetera, and so forth, that's when white people... You know, they're like, we're the parents. This is disorder. We're not racist, but you have to have order, et cetera, and so forth. When it's Kyle Rittenhouse, they talk about extending your circumstances. Kyle Rittenhouse, the teenager in Kenosha, uh, in northern, in Antioch, Illinois, who crossed state line with a gun and killed two people. And there was folks saying his mother should have been. She drove him, didn't she? She drove him to Kenosha. She should Why be in jail he- right now. She yeah. should be in jail right she now. She drove him. And then, do you know how many people, white people said, you cannot blame the mother for what the son did? But when it's teenagers racing through the loop like knuckleheads, it's like, where are the parents? <laughs> they want to throw the parents in jail. Find the parents. You know, so I'm just saying what you just said is just like a sort of a, a natural human instinct. And uh, in our country, everything is divided by race. You and I have had this conversation many times. So when white people see black people doing something, they have one set of response. 
And uh, but when they see other white people like Kyle Rittenhouse or the old man down in uh, Texas who shot the Black Lives Matter uh, activist, what's his name, Daniel Perry, the governor's already pardoning him. He's already moving to pardon him. So, Mark, what, what you're describing is, I just believe, is it's just like a very human reaction that people have. And uh, I'm just saying as a parent, I think people in Chicago should be a little more. I remember, I don't know if you and I had this conversation, uh, El Dragon and I've had it many times. In 2015, when Ron was running against Chewy, uh, and they were at their debate on Channel 11, you remember this? Uh, and the um, Phil Ponce said to Chewy Garcia, if you can't control your son, you know, how can you control a city? And I thought that was an unfair question. Uh, Adolfo had a different point of view because he's very critical of Chewy Garcia and is not a fan, to put him mildly. But, I, but that impulse, people will ask that question of other parents other than themselves. Do you follow what I'm saying? When it comes to themselves, it's always, oh, well, extenuating circumstances. It's a good kid. He just got a bad break, was in the wrong place at the wrong time. So it's hard to make policies uh, when we're so inconsistent. Do you follow what I just said, Mark? Yeah, you're much smarter than me and calmer than me. Yeah, you, you're right. But you know, it's, it's really about, for me, it's about environment. Yeah. Uh, that's why I always talk about uh, going to different neighborhoods. I, I was a limo driver for about 20 years. And if I didn't have that limo driver job and driving all over the uh, metropolitan area, sometimes we go to Wisconsin and, you know, drive, we drive people all kinds of great places. And so if I didn't have that experience driving into, what's, what's the town, like Crystal Lake and stuff, you know, way out there. I, I remember taking, um, I may have said this before on the show, uh, Jeb Bush. We went out, what's the town way out, uh, like straight west, pass, pheasant, run, you keep going. What's that town out there? Straight west or like on uh, on uh, North Avenue, whatever. Way out there, right? Pa- way past heaven, pheasant, run. I forgot the name of the town. Glen Ellen or some shit like that. Excuse me, Kirk. And so the point is that, so if I did not be able to go as a limo driver to those towns and talk to different people from all around the world or whatnot, I would have a, I would have a different perspective. Yeah. A lot of us, you have, I mean, you have to go through, I mean, do that. There was a, uh, no, I'm not going to tell you that story. It's too personal. But the point is that whether you're going to, uh, uh, what's that, Quincy, Illinois. I've never been to Quincy. Or I have been, uh, what's the town where Western Illinois is in? Macomb. So if, if you haven't really traveled and go to those towns and talk to people at the store or something, or Walmart or something, you know, you really, you, you understand that people are people. Yeah. There, there is some cultural differences here and there. Uh, but people are, are freaking human beings. And we have to be honest. The honest, is, the honest truth is really simple. They are different, you know, tribes. And, you know, your tribe is maybe from Ireland, all that kind of stuff, and blah, 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 blah. And you don't, and, and you, you don't, you don't want to share power. You may not want your kids mixing with other races and cultures. We just have to be honest about our fears and understand that people are people. We all just trying to make it. And that's why the history, that's why when you think about Ron DeSantis, he's disgusting. And some of the other governors who really don't want to tell the real truth about America. And you've got to tell kids, especially in high school, not grammar school per se, but definitely high school. Oh yeah, your parents didn't own slaves. But we had slaves for 246 years. And guess what? All, uh, all of us have benefited. Even the Negroes have benefited because of slavery because this country got so rich. And these things are complicated. They're real complicated. Like I tell people, 
I don't know my history in the sense that like 80% of black people, I told you this before, 80% of black people have some kind of white bloodline. I don't know what that, it's not the grand, great grandparents or was it great, great grandparents. If we're going back to slavery, was a, was a, a Mr. Jarofsky the overseer at the plantation I'm related to, you know, that kind of stuff, right? These things are really deep. Because when you Giroffi. understand, when you, that's what, <laughs> the overseer, Jarofsky the overseer, right? Oh, that's hilarious. Can you, can you imagine? <laughs> Uh, yeah. but, the, but 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 no but that, but the thing about it is that that's why history is is so important when you understand the history you don't you don't hate white folks because of slavery that's the way it was you don't hate america per se because they had mass incarceration that's the way it was uh, you know they, if you like most people they'll ask, you ask most americans probably me what what's the purpose of uh, they they were they were marching across the Edmund Pettus bridge or yeah. because black folks could not vote in the freaking South. Do you understand that? In the freaking 60s. You think most Americans say they kept black people from voting, from actually voting. Then you make the league. Guess what? They try to make it hard to vote now. Yeah. In 2023. It's the same thing. That's why history is so. That's why people don't want to teach the, the kiddies and anybody else the real history of this country. Because it's complex. It's not pleasant. You don't hate anybody. This is a freaking history. And so once you understand the history, you begin to learn other things. Like I said, if I want a limo driver, I wouldn't go up to Will Med or go past the Nutrier High School or wrong with the school at. I used to go to, what's the other town there? What's the other town north of Will Med? With NECA all the time and Glencoe. If I want a limo driver back in the day, I couldn't, I wouldn't, I'd be scared to go to them damn neighborhoods, right? Because you know the police don't stop you, right? And I mean, I said police. I didn't say police. I said police. Gonna stop you, right? And, yeah. uh, and so, and, and then again, I say that, but that's why if you get a chance, if you're not scared of the police, which is understandable, you drive through Indiana through the, uh, what do you call it, the, the, the dunes and the National Forest stuff, you know, go past, start at Miller Beach at Gary, start at Miller Beach at Gary, Indiana, still Gary at Miller Beach, and drive east on I-20, whatever. It's a beautiful drive, especially in the, in the fall time. And of course, I'll go, to, go down, uh, go up Green Bay Road or Sheridan Road up to the North Shore. It's really nice, of course, summertime, uh, uh, spring. But and if, when you when you uh, uh, see different people, different neighborhoods, you have you have a, a little bit more empathy, a little bit more under, understanding. I understand the white folks are scared. If I'm down, I used to talk to them out the limber driver, and I, they would be downtown. They oh, there was a shooting down in the, in, in the River North. I got to move. I mean, it's that kind of stuff. And I said, there's shootings in my neighborhood every day. What am I supposed to do? We got to end the crime together. You, you've mentioned uh, Walmart a couple times, uh, so let's talk a little Walmart. Uh, haven't really addressed this on the show. Uh, Walmart announced last week, uh, I believe they're closing four uh, stores in Chicago. Oh, my God, it was a fight for Walmart to get the stores open here. Uh, it was the big box ordinance fights of the uh, the like two, the early O's uh, during the daily years. and Daily forced uh, the city council. Uh, to back off and allow Walmarts to come here. And now they're leaving. They're not making enough money. They say it costs too much money to police with security, et cetera. It's not worth it. They're leaving. And uh, I am going to read to you a quote that our mutual friend, Salim Muakil put on his Facebook page. The guy, you and, you and I agree on this. He's probably Chicago's smartest uh, uh, intellectual. He wrote, and I'm quoting, capitalism nurtures humanity's least noble impulses and uh, read that again read that again for me read that again for me capitalism nurtures humanity's least noble impulses 
The driving forces of capitalism, in other words, are the least noble impulses of mankind, like greed, I guess would be at the top of the list, wanting it all for yourself. And then as soon as it fails for you, you want somebody else to bail you out. And so Walmart uh, came to Chicago in some of these locations, in part because the city was subsidizing the deals, TIF money, property tax dollars. The developers got TIF dollars uh, to uh, under to um, support the construction of the projects. And as a result of, of the TIF money, they were able to uh, charge, I'm sure, lower rents, bringing in Walmarts. Now they're leaving. Uh, capitalism, they're not. It's all about what they can profit. Mark, it's not but, about doing. But, but I think, not I, I think out for I, isn't, isn't Walmart? Isn't see? I, I live not too far from uh, Evergreen Park. So when they built the uh, Walmart over here, because uh, uh, people are old enough, they remember that the Walmart in Evergreen Park was on the site of the old uh, Jury Lane Martinique uh, restaurant theater back in the day, right? They tore that down yeah. and eventually put the Walmart there in, in Evergreen Park. And so we went there. So then, then they put the one over here closer to the house, over here on 83rd and, uh, and Stewart, whatever, uh, yeah. Holland Drive. And that's closer. But I still think the one on Doty Road uh, near 111th Street, right by the big bank building, that's still there. And I yes. think the small Walmart on 76 and, and Ashland is still there, the small mini Walmart. I think that's still there. But the point is very simple. When they closed the Walmart in Homewood, Illinois, on Halstead, in Homewood, way out south, and they closed one in, in Plainfield, in Plainfield, Illinois, I posted a CNBC uh, snippet on from YouTube. And Mr. McMillan, the CEO of Walmart, they were talking about the shrinkage and the thievery and the people stealing who worked in the store, the customers are stealing. And they were talking about the thievery and the shrinkage. And, they, and he said, if, this, if it keeps up, we're going to have to raise prices or close stores or close stores and raise prices, whatever. That's what he said. I, and I posted that on social media forever. People looked at me like I was crazy. And I still post it. I posted almost every reporter posted. I always post what McMillan said. He said, if it, if the stealing keeps up, we're going to close stores and uh, we're going to uh, uh, raise prices. But Slimo Ikea also told me many years ago, probably on, when he was on WVON, or he told me in my face when I used to interview him a few times on public access back in the day, he said, Mark, capitalism has no morality. Yeah. Capitalism has no morality. And I, pr I post that on social media. People say, oh, the Walmart clothes. And I say, capitalism has no morality. What don't you understand? They're not there for your benefit. They're there right. for, the, uh, for the stockholders. The Walter family, I, I could be wrong, is the richest family in the freaking country. They're not there to, they're not a charitable organization. They have a charitable arm. I get it. But Walmart, the, the store, is not a charity. It is business. And a lot of these businesses, they understand a lot of things are moving to uh, online shopping, which is nothing new. They'll still have some brick and mortar. Some shopping malls may survive. But we know online shopping, you know, and these things change. We had Main Street, then Walmart and Kmart took over. And then you had, you know, of course, you had the shopping malls. And some of the malls are closed down. These things change. This is freaking capitalism at its best. That's the bottom line. I mean, they're not a charity. And the Walton family has a ton of money. And then now we're going through a recession. I mean, we're going to have a recession. And we may have we may have stagflation. We may have a, what they used to call it in Japan, a 10-year loss year, 10 years or something. I forgot what it's called. Like no growth for 10 years. Uh, no uh, no uh, GDP growth for 10 years. Something ridiculous. I'm not an economist. I, I just listen to stuff on the, on the Internet. And so the point is that this is very serious. And, and guess what, people? They close stores. They close operations. They lay people off left and right, depending on the business. They, they fire people, lay them off because they want to keep their profits up or save the business. 
This is capitalism one-on-one. I didn't go to college. A lot of people didn't go to college. They didn't, they didn't, most of you didn't take a class on economics or watch, watch a bunch of YouTube videos about economics. But one I like to push for people like me, regular lay people, I like to post on social media. Nobody looks at this stuff. Uh, but I post on social media is um, Ray Dalio. He was the founder of Bridgewater or something. Largest hedge fund. Mr. Dalio just retired. Bridgewater. And he, I think it's Bridgewater. And he has a whole video there like almost 10 years ago about how the economy works, how the system works. It's, it, it's very basic. It's, it's animated. It's, it's, very, it's for the lay people. And most people understand this is how it works. So I can't stand when the preachers and the politicians, Ben Jarofsky and, and listeners at home, when they grandstand about freaking Walmart closing. I don't want to hear it. This is capitalism. One-on-one, people. Let's, let's, do a, let's do a thing on capitalism. If they're not making money or people robbing a place left and right, they got a lot of shoplifting, they're going to close that damn store. That's all the any other store. That's the way it is. And everybody knows when you live in the hood, someplace, I don't know, Chipotle over here on 87th Street, I don't think they have glass when you go. I've never been. I should patronize a place. Patrol. I can't say Chipotle on 87th by the Dan Ryan, right? On Lafayette. And uh, I don't think you. I don't think they have glass in front of these stores. You know, you go to most stores in the hood, a lot of them have glass, you know, because they, you know, people get shot in the store, the, gro- the gas station, local gra- uh, grocery store. And so they have to have the bulletproof uh, glass or bulletproof plastic because it's dangerous. It's very dangerous. And I would tell people, if you if you should roll, roll with it because like, I'm a scaredy cat. I, buy, I try to go to the store in the morning. I don't like to get gas at night. I don't like to roll through the hood at night. Because I'm telling you, if you, rather, if you function in the hood, if you're used to it, you're used to it. When, you, when you're not used to it, you like, what the f is this? Shit! Look at this is out of this is out of control because most people haven't really seen it. Until you've seen it, you have a better understanding. Also, this is a little aside. I'm not gonna name the podcast. You're smart enough, you can figure it out. There's a great podcast I listen to all the time. They talked about the uh, the Discover Car Center. Discover Car Call Call Center was placed in the old Target. The old Target moved out years ago. Like the Best Buy yeah. moved out on 87th Street years ago. This is an old Target, 83rd and uh, and I mean. I'm sorry, 87 to 86 in Cottage Grove. <laughs> and so they talked about that, how, the, how you know, Discover Cars in Riverwoods, which I've been there, because I'm a limo driver, I've been you know, six feet to the campus, so you work there. And the point is that they was in Riverwoods, they said, let's, put, let's do a call center, not downtown, but in the hood, in the old Target store, 83rd, near, uh, 87th Street, near Cottage Grove, on Cottage Grove. And it's a great podcast talking about this. And that's what I like to post on social media, but most of my people, and most people are brainwashed by the six o'clock news and all the and the cable news, and they can't really go beyond the the headline. This is this, this is economics. This is capitalism, racism. It, it's complex. And if you understand racism, capitalism, history of America, then it all makes sense. It don't make it right or better. It's you understand what the f you dealing with. So yeah. uh, look well, at that, uh, that call this, center. Uh, that, it's a great podcast. I I can tell you this right now. Brandon Johnson, mayor-elect Brandon Johnson, is going to be dealing with some of the same issues that Mayor Lightfoot dealt with, Mayor Rahm dealt with, and Mayor Daley dealt with. And if you think capitalism is going to come to the rescue, you're fooling yourself. And all those press conferences, Mark, where mayors have, where they bring in the developer, they bring in the corporation that's going to be occupying 83rd and Stewart, what have you, and they pat themselves on the back and pretend as though they haven't spent millions of dollars in public money to get them there, and that as soon as uh, they've run out of, I don't know, maybe the contract's expired, you got to take a look at 
the deal, the, the redevelopment deal that they signed. Uh, but when the time is right for them to leave, they leave, and the city must is confronting uh, an, a, an empty building. That is the story of economic development in the city of Chicago for the last 20 years. I've watched it many times with the targets as well. And so I just uh, I always think about what Salim told us. Capitalism is not always the answer, my friends. And uh, you shouldn't fall for those press releases. By the way, breaking news. Uh, we're going to close with this, Mark. Uh, Fox settled. It's um, This just broke. I just got this text. Fox settled the defamation case with Dominion. So I know we'll be talking about that with uh, Monroe Anderson tomorrow. Uh, and the Fox was all set to go to trial, and they did not want that jury. Uh, <laughs> the, the evidence was really strong against them, and I'm sure they did not want that jury to come in strong uh, against them, so they just settled their case with Dominion. The details, there's no details other than that, one, so that's breaking right now. All right, Mark, before I let you go, tell folks where they can listen uh, to uh, uh, type your... my Type my name in. They may spell my name wrong like they did in political, long story. <laughs> uh, it's yes. Mark, M-A-R-C. Sims, S-I-M-S, Just a Few Questions podcast. Just a Few Questions podcast. Or just type in Mark Sims. You'll see me. I'll pop up. And please, I, I say this all a lot of your shows, ride through the hood. Like I should, you know, ride, I should go through, you know, Cab County or what's the other one? Kane County, Montgomery County, right? <laughs> I should ride through some of those neighborhoods. And then some, some people should ride through our neighborhoods. I know during the day, I know it's scary. You know what I'm saying? But ride through, ride through roads in the Inglewood. Go to Austin, where the mayor lives. And, the, and, and and if you get a chance to get out the car, you know, you go to the Garfield Park Conservatory and look at the plants, and you just ride to the west side. And you and the, you may talk to a few people. You may not. I, I wouldn't recommend it. And you and you have a you have a better understanding. These are human beings. We're just here trying to survive. And racism and capitalism and from African Americans, our own self-hate is crushing those neighborhoods. And, it, and it's, it's, it's nothing new. It's a song that's been going on for at least 100 years or more in this town. And uh, hopefully... I hope Brandon Johnson, uh, remember Bill Conway, 34th, new 34th war older person. I know he wants to be the next mayor of Chicago and believe he's going to be working on that for the next four years. And everybody else is, uh, uh, hopefully Brandon does very well so he doesn't have five people running. And like I said, I told you before, Lori Lightfoot wasn't the best mayor, but who is the best mayor? She's not mayor anymore because it was, what, six, seven black people running against her. Willie Wilson did not. With, did, did not run, she probably went in the, in the runoff. And, and so that's what, that's what I always tell people why black folks got problems. Remember that, while we have the black youth have issues downtown and black community Chicago got back because of our own distrust and self-hatred, along with racism and white supremacy, yeah, we, are, we have that too. Six black people, or seven black people run against a black woman mayor. And a black woman ran against her too. And this is why black folks got problems. Period, end of story. Right. Enjoy, enjoy your tour, people out in the hood. Come see me in the hood. And enjoy yourself out in, in the ghetto here, out here. All right, that's Mark Sims, a dear friend of the show. Let me just tell you, that's coming through from you all the time. Thank you very much, Mark Sims. Also want to thank producer Chris, doing an outstanding job, as he always does. Give yourself a raise, Chris. Take it out of petty cash. Peace and love, everybody. And make sure you find Mark Sims on the internet. Just search for Just a Few Questions with Mark Sims. Download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, get Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more at chicagoreader.com. And find the Ben Jarofsky show all over the internet on social media and your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms.